Hey, everybody. This is Alex. I have Danny here. Uh, a little announcement before we dig into the episode. You see, we sat down with another TechCrunch expert to dig into all things OnlyFans, the ban on explicit content and what was coming down the pike and how to think about the market. And then about an hour before the podcast was supposed to go live. Danny, what happened? Well, Alex, after a week of huge concerns for a lot of creators, OnlyFans announced in a tweet this morning that they were actually going to undo their ban on pornography on the platform, saying that they had found a way to sort of secure the payment rails for the site. What that actually means, I think, is an open question. Yeah, so OnlyFans is going to be fine. And the entire kerfuffle from the last couple of days somehow is gone. So enjoy the episode. If you want to know more context about what did happen and what the market for adult content might be like from a tech perspective and financial perspective, we have it all. But it would be strange to not point out that the news kind of undercut our show. So enjoy, everybody. Thanks. Hello and welcome back to Equity, TechCrunch's venture capital-focused podcast where we unpack the numbers behind the headlines. My name is Alex and this is our Wednesday show. We are going to be digging into all things OnlyFans and there is quite a lot to talk about. Uh, happily though, we have the whole crew here. I have Natasha Moscarenas. Natasha, one of our early stage reporters. How are you? I'm feeling early stage today. That's because she's on Pacific time and the rest of us are on East Coast time. We also have Danny Crichton, a managing editor and my boss's boss. Danny, how are you? Things are good. I'm always reporting on disasters and crises, but usually about the environment, not about things that are on the internet. Yeah, well, in this case, we're going to bring together your two favorite things, the internet <laughs> and disasters. It's going to be a blast. But we are not alone today as a three. We've brought along an expert from the TechCrunch staff. We have Amanda Silberling, a creator and social media folks reporter. Amanda, please say hello. Hello. I'm extremely online and happy to be here. That is essentially the only two requirements we have for <laughs> being on equity, that you never get off Twitter and that you want to be on. So cool. To give an overview of what we're going to talk about today, we are going to talk about really kind of the core news item, what happened with OnlyFans, what happened to adult content. We're going to talk a little bit about the financials of the business and how big OnlyFans got on the back of a you know particular type of content. Then we're going to talk about the risk factors of payments and transactions and why the company didn't receive venture capital backing and then take a little bit of a look at the future and what might be coming down the pike. But to kick us off, Natasha, will you please tell us the news? Totally. So this week, news broke that OnlyFans is prohibiting the posting of, and I'll quote them directly, any content containing sexually explicit conduct. That rule will go into place October 1st, 2021. And at the time, all we knew was that it was in order to ensure the long-term sustainability of the platform. More recently, the FT posted an interview with the founder who basically said it came down to a banking issue and that a lot of banks have kind of given them obstacles, which would limit their ability to pay content creators that are engaging in sexually explicit conduct. Or content. There's a dividing line between sexually explicit conduct and content, I think. I would put all these phrases into the porn category, if that's okay. Yes. That's kind of been what people have been using to explain it to people. But Nudity is going to be allowed as long as it falls into their rules around moderation. It's a gray line, though. So I think your yes. question, Alex, is totally on point on where to even start. So let's pick up with uh, how big OnlyFans became. Because one thing that's kind of interesting about this is when the news dropped, it wasn't just a couple of tweets. It wasn't just a couple of takes to Natasha's earlier point. It was a deluge of posts because, as it turns out, OnlyFans is enormous. We kind of probably guessed this, but I was shocked at the scale of how large it was. Axios got their financials before this all kicked off, actually hours before it turned out. And here's some data points. So in 2020, the company had $2.2 billion in gross merchandise volume, which is the aggregate sum of stuff sold, payments that went through OnlyFans. 
that rose to $5.9 billion this year. It's kind of the expectation. And in 2020, they had net revenue of 375 million, expected to be 1.2 billion this year. And critically, they have just insane free cash flow. So free cash flow of 150 million in 2020, expecting 620 million in free cash flow this year. Danny, you and I were just shaking our heads going, holy crap, because these numbers uh, for a startup are just crazy good. Well, and the number that I was shocked by was actually the creator payout. So more than 300 creators earn more than a million dollars annually, and about 16,000 earn at least 50,000 annually. Now, we've talked a lot about media on the podcast, Substack, a bunch of others who are trying to build out subscription media. I think there are like eight people who make more than $50,000 on like all the subscription news startups that you've seen over the last couple of years. And then you read this and you're like, porn is big. Wow. Yes. yes, it's big. And all that is not just from subscriptions. About half of it came from subs. 30% came from chats. And the rest was a combination of tips and streams and paid posts for free accounts. I'm not going to out myself as a prude here, but I haven't used OnlyFans. But I presume that they you know, monetize in a myriad number of ways. My read is that this is a simply amazing business, at least it was, with just huge financial numbers. They're expecting, you know, two and a half billion in net revenue next year, according to what Axios said. So just a staggering company. But notably, Natasha, not a venture backable exercise. Not a venture backable exercise. I mean, they hadn't raised any VC money to date, from my knowledge. About 75% of the company was bought by, I'm going to mess up the name, Leonid Radvinsky, sure. a self-proclaimed porn baron based in Florida. So he owns about 75% of the company. We do know, though, from a bunch of reporting, including Axios and the information, that OnlyFans was starting to find ways to get more traditional investors. They were seeking financing. And part of seeking financing was making sure that they would check boxes around due diligence, around being a business that people would feel comfortable backing. And Amanda, I know we were chatting on Slack a little bit about how OnlyFans had a very different external marketing tone and a very different internal makeup of which creators were actually driving the numbers Alex walked us through. So I'm curious, when you were hearing you know, all of these numbers and financing options begin to play out, what were your first reactions? So I think last week on Monday or Tuesday before this news broke, I wrote a post for TechCrunch about how OnlyFans was promoting a safe for work app called OFTV. And it's basically just like people that are creators on OnlyFans posting like yoga <laughs> tutorials and cooking videos. And like, apparently this app, it had existed for several months, but only in the last week or so did they start marketing the app, which is why it became news. And so we sort of had an inkling that OnlyFans was trying to move away from its image as a porn site. But I didn't expect that it was going to happen like two days later. It's so interesting because I think that's really intrinsically related to this idea that OnlyFans may look for venture capitalists as future backers. They were trying to promote something that wouldn't really disagree with this clause that happens for a lot of VCs called the vice clause. And that basically limits VCs due to their LPs from investing in certain categories that are distinguished as vices, which could be historically illegal drugs, sex. Even CBD, I think, is controversial. Well, and gambling. gambling. Uh, there's a bunch of these, right? Gambling, uh, lotteries. That's one of the reasons why we've only seen a couple of startups in the last couple of years come up in the, the lottery space, right? Obviously, you should be able to buy a Powerball ticket on your phone, but that was impossible for a whole host of reasons, much of which was around vice clauses. And, you know, while some firms have very specific vice clauses actually in their framework, some don't. And that still is a conversation they have to have with their investors. So we definitely see an overall due to LPs, due to maybe a institution or university not wanting to be associated 
with porn, for example, traditional investors having to step away from trying to invest in really great businesses. I think we've seen a lot of positive sex investment in the last couple of years. We've seen a lot in various forms of health care, various forms of birth control, and then also in sex toys. I mean, we've actually posted a market map of sex toy startups. I know Sian Bannister, who was one of the folks we talked about in the OnlyFans case, and she had actually passed on the deal, has invested widely in that category and has helped to popularize it along with many other women and other folks in the community. But one of the things I think is interesting is, is how much, at the end of the day, nothing has changed when it comes to porn. It's the original app of the internet in many ways. You know, for decades, it's probably the number one app if you were to really do numbers and actually like calculate the traffic of the internet, either from bandwidth or from you know dollars spent or, or traffic. And yet it, it's still this dark corner. And to me, it's absolutely crazy to think that we're in 2021 and VCs are still, you know, icky. Well, it's where they get their money from. I mean, I don't think VCs themselves are like, ew, porn. I think it's, you know, the big buckets of money. And the more money you have in one, you know, area, the more conservative it becomes. The thing, though, about porn being the original app for the Internet is that porn has traditionally been on the kind of leading edge of technology, you know, video streaming, payments, you know, and so forth. And so I guess I'm not really shocked to see that OnlyFans made the creator economy boom in the way that it did on the back of this particular content varietal. It just, you know, watching this implosion makes me wonder if we're going to see kind of a, the end of that trend, which brings us, Danny, to really what the hell happened and why OnlyFans made the choice that it did. My, my question looking at the financial numbers was, wow, they make all this money. Why do they need VC? Well, if you're planning for a post-porn future, you're going to have a smaller company. Maybe you want to raise money struggling there. But Danny, so break down for us particularly what happened with payments and so forth that really led to this OnlyFans decision. Well, obviously, if you have billions of dollars of GMV going through a platform, um, and ultimately it's a creator workforce, right? So you're actually dispersing that money to actual people. You're not just taking it yourself. You have to pay people, which means you have to have really robust banking relationships, paying tens of thousands, actually a million creators on the platform totally, but several thousand who are making a lot of money. And what we found out recently from founder Tim Stokely is the banks have basically cut off OnlyFans. So we found out the Bank of New York, Mellon, has said specifically they will no longer authorize the wire transfers for the company, which means they cannot move money from place to place. OnlyFans does not have an account with Bank of New York, Mellon. Neither do many of the creators on the platform, but they do act as an intermediary between banks. And so you, even though your bank may like it, the other folks' banks don't. If your correspondent bank in between is not a fan or not only a fan, you're sort of screwed. So that, that's part one. Two is MasterCard. So we found out that MasterCard is creating more stringent rules starting October 1st that basically is going to knock out what they dub specialty merchants. And so for companies like OnlyFans, they're basically not going to be able to accept credit cards anymore based on the new policies. What's left are firms like CC Bill, and the, the fees there can be quite high. So on the adult plan with CC Bill as an example, prices per transaction can range from 10.8% to 14.5%. So that is significantly higher than the 2 to 4% you might find for your local mom and pop shop. So altogether, I mean, this is a classic example of, like, ultimately, you have to be part of the economic system. And if the economic system as a whole does not allow you to participate, there's really nothing to be done there. So when I hear about CC Bill, my question then is, I mean, obviously, that's not great for creators, because then you're losing another 10 to 14% on top of, in OnlyFans' case, the 20% that they were taking, which isn't too high compared to some other platforms, but it's obviously not the best move to then be like, all right, let's give up 10 to 14% of our income, but that's better than being completely shut out. So why isn't it that platforms like OnlyFans would use something like CC Bill instead of just 
banning adult content altogether. It's not the first company that has kind of built its core business off of the adult entertainment industry and then made a change. And I know people have compared it to Tumblr kind of mistakenly, but there are so many historic examples, even Patreon, for example, of this happening. And so I do think a part of it is like when you're that big, people are going to start asking bigger questions. But to me, it felt like a really inevitable next, like kind of like a round of funding for it. It's like this is the next news item that's going to happen about OnlyFans. All right. So we know about Tumblr's ban. We know about Patreon's ban. Now we're here with OnlyFans. Amanda, you know, is there another platform where sex workers are heading today that might be the next place where this can uh, can flourish for a while? Or is there nothing really out there? There are a number of platforms that are out there, but I think it's really difficult to just completely move your business that way. There were sex workers on Patreon, and then in 2017, Patreon suspended adult content creators, which also was because of issues with their payment partners. And then that's when a lot of adult creators went over to OnlyFans. And then now the next question is like, there are a lot of other platforms that people are able to like do this sort of online sex work on, but it's like... If you're an Instagram influencer with a million followers and you make all your money off of like branded content and like, I mean, there's a lot of people that Instagram is their business and then Instagram kicked them off the platform and they lost all their followers. Like they built up a following once, but it's still really hard to build up a following again. So I think when we talked about that number from the Axios report of around 16,000 creators earn at least 50,000 annually. That's 16,000 people that are now in a precarious situation and might be losing their income. Not to mention, like, even if you're bringing in an extra, like, couple hundred dollars a month, that could be what gets you groceries. Even more importantly, I think there's a huge acceleration because of COVID. Yes. This also gets into the difference between online sex work and IRL sex work, which... In 2018, the Fight Online Sex Trafficking Act was passed, and it was supposed to reduce online sex trafficking, but as per the ACLU, it actually made online sex work a lot more precarious, and I think it is sort of obvious thinking about, like, people were able to do this work in a pandemic, and they didn't have to, like, expose themselves to a deadly virus to make a living, and even in non-pandemic times, like, it's dangerous to meet up with a stranger. Amanda, you know, one thing that I that I that I keep reading about is how it seems like the sex workers in these conversations don't get listened to. And it seems yeah. that instead we have like, you know, Nicholas Kristoff from The Times, we have Congress, we have some religious groups. But I, it, it seems so rare to read a story about this industry and actually hear from the creators. So what are they thinking? <laughs> I, I guess how pessimistic are they today is probably the better question. From what I've seen in like Twitter discussions, I think it's sort of a mixed bag where I think People were kind of expecting this in a way, but it's also really terrifying to lose your income. And I mean, since FOSTA, that's the abbreviation for Fight Online Sex Trafficking Act, which passed in 2018, basically something that comes up a lot in conversations about Internet content and moderation is Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, which basically means that websites can't be liable for what users post. But FOSTA includes language that not only holds platforms liable for illegal sex trafficking, but also it says, quote, that Section 230 was never intended to provide legal protection to websites that unlawfully promote and facilitate prostitution. And I think what's dangerous here is conflating sex trafficking and sex work. 
because people are voluntarily doing sex work. It is their job. It is a valid profession. They're just trying to make money like the rest of us and pay their bills. And according to the ACLU, sex workers became even more vulnerable after this law was passed, which was a secondary consequence. And it hurt the people that it was intended to help. Also, sex work tends to be more common among LGBTQ people of color, LGBTQ immigrants, transgender people, and these are already people that are particularly vulnerable, especially in the U.S. And so Congress then a year later introduced the Safe Sex Workers Study Act to examine the effects of the legislation, and they found that, quote, community organizations had reported increased homelessness of sex workers after they lost that economic stability that online platforms give them. So I think that this precedent of sex workers having to migrate from platform to platform and restart from the get-go is really scary because it's putting a lot of vulnerable people in an even more vulnerable situation. I think you just perfectly illustrated why it's different if Instagram decided that they no longer wanted food bloggers on their platform Mm -hmm. versus OnlyFans deciding they want to take their adult content creators and sex workers off. It's a completely different population of people, like you said, which I think is an important segue into what OnlyFans has to do next. And one conversation that came up is should they at least make their audiences and their creators' audiences more transportable? Amanda, do you think that's a pressure that they're facing at this moment, or if they even should be doing that? I would hope that they would do that. I mean, it's at least kind of a consolation prize to make it easier for sex workers that, like, sex workers are the reason why OnlyFans was able to put up these really impressive numbers for a startup. And now they're just kind of like, okay, bye. And (laughs) giving sex workers or any creator on OnlyFans access to their list of people that have paid them before could make it at least easier to send out an email like, hey, I'm migrating to other platform. And if they're not able to do that, then how will their user base know where to find them? Like they might still want to support a creator, but they don't know where the creator went. I think it's the minimum viable action i mean gosh if they don't do that it's it, this goes from oh we were forced to do it to active bad faith yes right like it's 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 brutal but it'll be interesting i mean I, this happens i think with every creator platform you know every time you're sort of deep platform you're not allowed to carry the list along P- patreon has had issues with this youtube instagram facebook google everyone has had to deal with this challenge of not only just getting the names but it's very very hard to move credit card authorizations over so if you're a subscription business on only fans if you're a subscription business on on patreon you oftentimes just can't move them legally because you're now a different business and you can't just say, I, I subscribe to OnlyFans, I want to pay. That does not necessarily translate into, I want to pay this new LLC, which is where you went. I don't even know if you're the same LLC. Most payment transactions can't do it. And particularly given the banking challenges the company's already had, I highly doubt the Bank of New York Mellon is going to allow the, the credit card transactions to go away anyway. What? Who the hell is Bank of New York Mellon? They keep, like, <laughs> I know they're very- They used to advertise in one of those wealth magazines I used to buy. Like Forbes in print? I mean, I used to read that. <laughs> Anyways, Danny, you're totally right about credit card subscriptions and, and handing over subscribers. But emails, easier, right? I mean, that's, that's got to be easier than handing on credit card transactions. Surely they could do something here to ameliorate the impact of this relatively shocking decision. I mean, Amanda, you're right that we had an inkling that they were going to be pivoting, but like go back to the, when this news dropped, it was a bombshell. People were not ready. You know, they weren't prepared to jump to a different platform. So gosh, at least give them some data portability. It's not, it's not too much to ask. 
Yeah, and I also think it's notable to point out that it's not like people on OnlyFans had a heads up. Like, everybody found out at the same time when that Bloomberg article came out, whether you were a tech journalist or a sex worker or somebody who just is interested in what OnlyFans is up to. And I think that kind of demonstrated bad faith in a way that, like, sex workers were finding out through Twitter that their income is up in the air. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. I remember seeing, like, even that night, OnlyFans, I mean, actually, at this point, I don't even know if there was fake news or not, but there was so much questioning on what the actual statement was versus when it was going to happen and versus whose fault it was. At the end of this episode, I'm feeling like, sure, funding challenges and vice clauses were a part of it, but also payment processing, the financial system, you know, so many different responsibilities and tensions at this company that it also makes me worried, will creators even have another platform to go to next? Or will it always end up being like this moment eventually for every company? Like what really needs to change? And I don't know if any of us have an answer. So it's like a rhetorical question kind of. But is there any like place for us to look for hope right now for sex workers? I think at this point in time, we're supposed to say Bitcoin solves this. I think that's the meme. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't I mean, Natasha, to be serious, I don't see a, a near term fix. I, you know, given the complexity of the kind of even just national payment system, let alone international payments. I mean, it's hard to, to untie this particular knot. And I don't think crypto, it solves this. You know, I know there's some people saying that it, it might or at least will help. The answer is maybe, or at least in a niche manner, but certainly not to the scale that OnlyFans was operating, as we've seen from the numbers. But I think we should also note that behind some of these moral panics that lead to some changes are a lot of religious groups that want to ban all sex work, period. And so, you know, this is not just banks being conservative. There's also other cultural forces, if you will, pushing their particular view of morality onto the world or the rest of us, I suppose. So there's multiple players in this. Amanda, before we go, any optimistic words for everyone out there who just got hit by the OnlyFans ban or are Natasha and I pretty correct in our pessimism? I mean, I think it's a really bad situation. And I think that in situations like this, as you mentioned a bit earlier, Alex, I think it's important that we listen to the voices of sex workers that are talking about how this is affecting them. And something really important that the Safe Sex Workers Study Act pointed out was that Sex workers are rarely involved in these decisions that are affecting their livelihood. And I think a lot of that is because of this stigma and discrimination. And when this work is criminalized, it makes it more dangerous for the people doing it. It doesn't stop them from doing it. It just exposes them to more vulnerability and more danger. And I hope that the Safe Sex Workers Study Act and I hope that the activism among sex workers helps normalize this to people and show that if we want these people to be safe, then we need to listen to them. All right. And Danny, to close us out, what would you value OnlyFans at today in its new future format? Well, when we got rid of Tumblr out of the Verizon Media parent company, I believe we nominally valued it at a buck. Yep. So I, I wouldn't put it too far off from that. I mean, I might even go as far as to say I'll put in 50 cents at a $2 valuation. You know, free money. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, check out those cooking videos on OFTV. Like, you know when there's a problem when the value of the company is worth less than the paper of the cap table it's printed on? Damn. <laughs> Why are you going to do go them like off. that? Uh, Amanda, I remember. So I, I wrote Daily Crunch the day that we had the post up about the OnlyFans Safer Work app. And I was just like, this is a strange thing to be promoting. Like, yeah. so true. Y- you know, it's like the U.S. military promoting its its dog care. It's not the core thing that's <laughs> like going on topic. there. It felt very off, yeah. off topic. And now, thank you for connecting that dot for me. But 
Ladies and gentlemen, we have to leave it there. Amanda, thank you for joining us. Of course, the equity team is back Friday morning with our news roundup. For those who would like to talk more about the crypto solution and protocols around sex work, uh, we're actually going to have a special live conversation in equity Twitter space, Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. So if you're on your commute, driving into San Francisco, come listen. Alex, me, hopefully a few others from staff will join up and we'll be talking crypto solutions all day long. And until then, everyone, please stay safe and uh, get a vaccine. They're now approved. Okay, bye.